We are back, family, with the second week of the Black History Month. We're doing two packs this week. I got my sister Vanessa Vargas. Oh my God, she's amazing. She was a teacher, a lawyer, a gifted student. Now she's living off what she loves. She does arts and crafts for a living. She has a booming YouTube channel. It's called The Crafty Gemini. Please subscribe, like, leave a comment. I'm super excited, y'all. Thank you all for supporting the T-Simple Podcast. Let's get it. For T-Simple Podcast, we focus on providing simple solutions in the classroom. I'm just really blessed to have Vanessa Vargas with us today. She's coming through. She's going to drop so many gems. Um, Vanessa, uh, she has a law degree uh, from the University of Florida. Um, uh, she was an adjunct professor where she taught um, at a university, uh, but she took a quick audible, right? She was like, you know, I got this education. This is great. But I want to do something bigger. I want to be independent. I want to be a boss lady. I love arts and crafts. I love farming. So you know what? I'm going to stop being a lawyer, retire my husband, and we're going to create this amazing company called Crafty Gemini. I'm assuming you're a Gemini, right? I sure am. Hey, Calvin, <laughs> thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Crafty Gemini, if you haven't heard, You Need to Get Hip is a YouTube channel that has over 600,000 YouTube subscribers, 60 million views. Oh, my God. And if you look at her thumbnails, just her beautiful face with the thing that she's creating. And she has all these amazing arts and crafts. And she's creating these pillowcases with all these cool, I don't know if they're African-related uh, patterns, but they look. some of them may look a dinkra. I don't know. That's just me. <laughs> um, she 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 has this type of energy when you open her uh, YouTube channel, kind of similar to Gullah Gullah Island. I don't know if you remember that, but it was just <laughs> all this, this color and culture yep. and realness coming from out your mouth. And like I said, she was a teacher, so when she's teaching this stuff, it's super simplistic for you to get it. Welcome to the podcast, Ms. Vargas. Thank you, thank you, Calvin. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. How you doing today? I'm doing well, and yourself? I, I can't complain. I can't complain. Um, you know, I'm just really want to keep pushing the podcast. I think it's a really good concept, and I'm just really blessed to have people like you on it. That's just really giving me, you know, just yeah. You know, so. I'm so glad that you have this because I feel like this is something people don't don't think about in the teaching sense, as far as outside of a classroom or in in, in life in general, right? So it's awesome to to tie in teaching skills, the values that come with it, the importance of having great teachers, no matter what it is, you know, in the classroom, outside, online, whatever it may be. Absolutely, absolutely. I uh, was interviewing, um, her name is Faith Hudson. She is a educator turned entrepreneur. And her come up was just like, everything I use to get to where I'm at, it was from education. Listen, that's what I try to tell people. They're like, how did you know you wanted to do that? I'm like, literally everything that allows me to be successful today is common sense stuff for me. It's, it's kind of at the, the junction where things that I love to do, where that meets things that I'm naturally good at. You yeah. know what I mean? So for me, it's really interesting. I love to learn, but I love to teach. Mm. So it's like, I learned something. I, you don't have to be an expert. 
And instantly, once I have successful results, I'm like, wow, that was pretty easy. Now I can flip it and teach it to somebody. You know what I mean? And so I feel like that connection, having been a newbie, a beginner, freshly learned, allows me to more clearly explain something to the next person. We all know that the, you know, when you teach somebody something, it helps you retain that knowledge better, right? Like whenever we have group projects, it's like you cover this, I cover this, then we'll come back and talk together and it helps everybody retain the information even better. And I feel like as a teacher, that's one of the things that sets me apart, my teaching style, because I love to learn. So when it's fresh and new, I'm still in the beginner's shoes, but I'm also a teacher. So I'm able to like not gloss over things that people, you know, if you've been doing something for 30 years, sometimes it's hard to put yourself in that beginner's shoes again. Yeah. You know what I mean? So because I'm freshly learned, but still understand it in a way that I can also turn it over and teach it to someone is like this really cool sweet spot for me. Beautiful. And I feel like that's the empathy in you, right? Because as a teacher, you have to be ultra empathetic because- You have to be, absolutely. And let's talk about how we met, right? Um, so we met on Clubhouse and I don't know- Hey, one time for Clubhouse. Addict <laughs> addictive and crazy, but a ton of info, huh? So much great value, right? Yeah, I love it. It's definitely a blessing from God, I feel. You know, it's like virtual networking. And I think we were in a podcast uh, room, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and I pitched my podcast and I just was really talking about just like not only having the knowledge, like you said, but how you teach it. There's a lot of professors who, and we can get to Teacher Tip of the Week. Um, we have a lot of professors who have the knowledge, right? They got the degree, they got the accolades, and some of them kind of use that to get their clout, quote unquote, prestige. Yep. You know, mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. We've you know, all had teachers like that, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> and that is the issue with education where it's like connected to prestige and elitism and I am cool because I'm smart, but it's like you can't break this down to a second grader though. So yeah, this is something I really struggled with in law school. Because if you're aware of like the Socratic method of teaching, right? Is the teacher calling you out, putting you on the spot making you feel like tra like no nope, you didn't think about this you didn't do that and it's kind of like for me it felt like they were trying the students to put themselves on top like a show you know what i mean like you just feeding off the, the audience but you putting them down you making it seem like not this not that just to like make yourself look better i just you know i don't do good with that like i would literally sit in class and be like i didn't read i don't have the book halfway through the semester like i am by the book bro don't don't come for me I'm not here for this. It was, and my friends would be like, yo, you're crazy. I'm like, what are they going to do? Like the grade is based on the final. Look out for me on the final. I'm going to be good. You know, but I'm like, I'm not here for this game. Like it was just, it, it, it's a lot. You know what I'm saying? And so I feel like it's more of, of a humble a space that I come from when it comes to teaching. When I, I mean, I've been teaching my entire life. Okay. I'll tell you a quick story when, um, so I was born in New York city. My parents got divorced and we moved to Dominican Republic where all my family's from for a year. Mm -hmm. I went to a Montessori school there and they put me at whatever grade I was at regardless of age. Okay. So I was four years old and like in the fourth grade. So the director of the school tells my mom, like, yo, you need to go to the U S cause this kid is gifted. And this, these are the key words that my mom ran with. She will get scholarships to go to college, you know what I'm saying? So for broke immigrant families, it's like what you said, money, college, what, education? I'm there for it, you know? So my mom moved to the States back and you know, I got tested for gifted, I was put in gifted, whatever. And so in kindergarten, because I had come from another country, mm -hmm. they didn't yet know where to place me waiting on the whole gifted test and all that. And I literally remember being five years old. 
I would go to my kindergarten class and then half the day was spent in a third grade math. The other half of the day was spent in a third grade reading class until they could figure out what gifted program, whatever, where to put me. I remember sitting in class with these eight-year-olds and they would be asking for help when the teacher gave like a math assignment. And I remember, I literally remember thinking like, how are y'all so big and you don't know this stuff? <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it's, it's wild, but Prodigy. as a teacher, so I mean, even from five years old, I was teaching the older kids like, bro, let me break this down for you. You know, all through elementary, middle school, high school, I would be coaching, teaching kids, tutoring. Like that was my thing. And I feel like I, it was a game for me because it was a challenge. Everybody's an individual. Everybody learns differently. So even till this day, it's a game of how can I break this content down in a way that you, the individual person with your own unique brain will grab it and grasp it, right? So when I teach sewing, for example, in person, especially, say, I always give this example. I have six students. I explain the first step of the project. Two people will be like, oh, I got it. And they're off and working, right? The other four are staring at you like, yeah, I have no idea what you just said. So now it's a game for me. It's like, okay, let's see how else I can rephrase this, reshow it, say it verbally, write it out explain it visually. Like I just play around with all those different ways of teaching. Right. And then after I explain it the second way, two more people are like, Oh, now I get it. And then the last two are sitting there like, and then they start thinking to themselves, right. I'm dumb. I can't do this. This is not for me. And I'm like, don't worry. Every single one of you here is going to finish this project. So I have to then do it, you know, come up with a different way of showing it. And I won't stop until I literally, they also have that light bulb moment. And I think that is what sets apart like, teacher teachers from people that are just giving you the information and expecting you to grasp it like duh here's the info why didn't you get it you know what i mean oh. so for me it's a game it's a challenge it's like a puzzle you know how else can i do this and that's your teacher too that is <laughs> it's true like just take a step back rephrase rethink and i like trying to put myself in the student's shoes like uh, or, or sometimes I listen to them very closely. The way that they're asking back or the way that they're referencing things is the, the path. It shows me how they are thinking of this. And then I'm like, oh, so you're thinking of it like this. So let me break it down for you, you know, in that same similar way that you're more, more likely to grab it. I love it. Vanessa Vargas dropping the <laughs> and we just started, man. <laughs> so, so that empathy, right? So how important are good teachers? Like what happens if we just had teachers like <sighs> it, it's the world? I, th I mean, it's a struggle. So for me, we homeschool slash unschool our kids and I see it in them and, and how they're two. I mean, they have the same parents, same environment, same household, right? They're two totally different people and two totally different learners. Mm -hmm. What motivates one <laughs> my daughter could care less about. It's like, I don't want to do it. I ain't going to do it. <laughs> uh, you know, so I have like one of each. So again, it's, it's, it's tapping into the individual person. So we were talking about this earlier, how I said, like, there's a lot of teachers that are, I mean, they're geniuses in their field. Yeah. They're great at it as themselves, but breaking it down to others is where the problem is. So I'll tell you something about what I do today, right? So sewing and quilting. My target demographic is mostly American women ages, I would say mostly 50 and over, okay? So if you think about when these ladies were in school, most of them had some type of home economics class, okay? I literally get hundreds of emails, DMs, and YouTube comments per month of people telling me, I failed home ec in 1971 
because my, you know, I couldn't get it. I wasn't good at sewing. And my teacher told me that I would never be a good sewist or I could never sew myself a dress. Right. And and as you're a kid, right, you're super impressionable. Like this is somebody that you're supposed to be looking up to and trusting. And they're telling you, you're garbage. You can't do it. So they literally have that and they've lived with it all these years. And then they say, hey, I came across your YouTube video and you made it look like I could do it. So I gave it a try. And they literally are, their mind is blown that they were able to complete such a simple project after watching my video. But they've been holding on to that for 30, 40 years. So, I mean, just from one teacher telling you that, I mean, it's like a mental health issue. You know what I mean? Because it's trauma. Like people literally are traumatized by somebody who knows the stuff and is telling them you are not capable. You cannot. Yeah, there's research that shows that if you are an effective educator, you actually do worse to kids compared to there being a sub. Listen, I used to be a sub. The kids loved me. They used to be like, are you going to? They're like, wow, you can actually teach us this stuff. You know, it was a math class, middle school math. And they'd be like, can you stay? Can you be our teacher? You know, (laughs) it's just the whole vibe. You know what I mean? You have to relate to the kids, make them feel encouraged. Everybody has their own spot. I had a... So before the pandemic and stuff, I was teaching sewing classes at my brick and mortar store. And I had this girl who I know in school, she was like the class clown. Okay. A 12, 12 year old seventh grader. She was cracking jokes here and there has everybody laughing, but the jokes are jokes that she's cracking on herself saying, Oh, I'm too dumb. I can't do this. Blah, blah, blah. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I see how she uses that to like, fit in somewhere probably because she doesn't do that well in school but she's still trying to you know flip the script and make it a comedic game right and so what i do i'm just like don't say that about yourself you know this and that so as i'm giving steps i see that she's flying through the project so what do i do you empower those students so now i tell her hey you're done with the step can you go ahead and help the eight-year-olds real quick so now she's at a level of boom I'm straight up the next teacher, right? Assistant teacher. So even those little jokey jokes she was cracking on herself, talk about she's too dumb, she's too this. She's already looking at herself like, maybe I'm not too dumb because the teacher legit just asked me to help the younger kids. So now I'm like leveling up. And it flips the whole mood of the classroom, right? Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. I, I do that all the time. Could you talk about what happens when kids see other kids teaching them? Oh, they eat it up. They have more respect for them because it's, I feel like kids, a lot of, especially the younger kids, they are constantly bombarded by grownups telling them, no, don't do this. Don't do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. Right. So now when they have like a younger kid that they see is almost like an older sibling, it's a little bit different because that kid also is not talking to them like an adult usually does. It's more like a big sibling, right? Like an older sibling, like, hey, let me help you with this. Oh, I like the color of fabric that you chose. That looks cute. So it's like a sweet spot in between a peer of their same age and a grown-up who's talking down to them. And they love it. They're great, you know? And they listen to them. They pay attention. And I feel like with sewing especially, when I have seven and eight-year-olds doing projects, you'll hear me throughout the entire class telling them, y'all, do you know that what you are doing right now adults cannot do? And they're blown away. They're like, really, Miss Vanessa? I'm like, go home and ask your parents if they can make this tote bag. Go home right, you know, and ask your mom if she can make this zipper pouch. And they're blown away because to them, it's fun and it's easy, right? So how empowering is that for the kid when they walk out and they're just like, huh, I made this shirt and my mama can't even make this shirt. Like, <laughs> it's great for them. And you know what I notice a lot is that parents don't give these kids enough credit Like I would have parents come pick up their kids and literally like, you didn't make that. 
there's no way you made that. And I'm like, you're not helping the situation. You know what I mean? It's like doubting them already. And it's like, ma'am, just because you can't do it, do not assume that the eight-year-old cannot, right? And so I would always tell them, I had 10 kids in this class. Did you think that I was going to sit here and do it all for them? Of course not. They did it themselves. Like, give them some credit, you know? I love it. I love it. So you said, like, three things. So you said co-teaching, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And you talked about the benefit of co-teaching. And in education, that's called vicarious social modeling. Yes. Right? I'm modeling, but I can see through you vicariously because... Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And, and it creates what, what a lot of people call organized chaos, right? Where kids are like, you know, they're, they're, they're around doing... working, yeah. but... It's harmony, it's unity. Yes. And, and the embellishment part is super important. My mother told me, because she was a teacher, she taught in inner cities. And I was like, Mom, how'd you do it? She was like, Calvin, you have to up them. You have to big up them. You have to give All You see, yeah. you do give them their props for any little win, man. That helps so much. So it. much. I love it. I love it. Excuse me. Vanessa Vargas coming through. You just dropping gems. I feel like I could just end the episode right now. To be like, oh, Whoa. you're funny. <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool. So what does it feel like to be living off of just living? Uh, I, I mean, that's, that was the setup. That was the plan. You know what I mean? So my, my husband has a bachelor's degree. I have a bachelor's and a law degree. But early on when we got together and started deciding to have a family and stuff, I was like, I want to have kids at home. I want to homeschool. Like even in law school, before I even met my husband, I was like, yo, Mondays, we're going to be doing creative writing on Tuesday, arts and crafts. My friends are like, uh, you're crazy, you know? And so I wanted to be home. So it was really out of the need and the want of having this type of a lifestyle for my family that I created the business. You know what I mean? I have friends that were lawyers and they're coming home at 11 o'clock at night. I'm like, that ain't for me. You know, I clerked for an immigration attorney for three and a half years before law school and throughout law school at the end. And and I did immigration, right? Because I was one of the only ones that spoke Spanish. I love helping Latin speaking um, people, communities, you know, helping these people just communicate like the liaison between the attorneys and and them. Right. As individuals. And uh, at the end of the day, even though we were helping and coaching up and a lot of in-person meetings at the end of the day, it's legit paperwork. I'm not about that life, you know? So it's like, how can I make an impact, help people and still live, like make a living, you know? And so with my instructional video tutorials, we have absolutely been able to do that. So like, I literally, I always say it, I make a living, living my life. It's a lifestyle brand. Whatever I do, I create instructional videos. I teach people how to do it. I mean, I have videos like how to milk a cow. We got cows. You know what I mean? Like I just wanted this lifestyle for my kids and organic gardening, cooking, baking, crafting, whatever it is. Because remember I mentioned, I love to learn. And as soon as I do it successfully, I'm like, word, this is easy. Let me break it down. Let me teach y'all this, you know? Yeah. You don't have to be an expert. It's just so keep sharing the knowledge, you know? That skill. So many teachers have that skill. So how important is it to call that audible where you were like, I don't want it oh. just be comfortable. Yeah. I'm probably getting paid decently. Mm-hmm. to thrive and wake up at 10 o'clock and in the morning or wake up at 12 o'clock in the morning and then make a video and then go back to sleep, you know? Like, yeah. I, I'm sure it's probably not like that. That's yeah. Just, yeah, I'll probably I mean, my style. <laughs> uh, that, that used to be my style when I had newborns and toddlers, okay? When I had two yeah, kids yeah. under the age of three, it was That's rough. Fun. But it was fun. Mm. That was my thing. My husband always says, if, whatever the job is, right? If you're going to be given 120%, 
at whatever the job is. Why are you going to put in that kind of effort for somebody else and do it for yourself? You know? So, and, and that's just the work ethic that I have. Like I'm always going over and beyond, always over delivering. Right. And it just made sense. Why not do it for us so we can get to a point where we want to be? Like that was the initial goal was like, how can we get this to a spot where we can make a living, retire my husband. And we're like both home at the house with the kids homeschooling. Like that's, the lifestyle goals. You know what I mean? Like who don't want to be doing that? Like I'm out feeding goats and, and, and gardening and the PayPal is just like cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. I'm sleeping, cha-ching, cha-ching. Like who doesn't want that? You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And so, yeah, that initially it started as a hobby, right? So I did television production in high school. And so, you know, I had experience with like video and editing, of course, the old school days, not like all this new stuff. And so what happened was that like the transition point was I started teaching through community education locally and everybody wanted me to teach the same class. And as a creative, yes, I'm a teacher, right? But I'm also a creative. I do not want to do or teach or say the same thing every single time. So I was getting frustrated. My husband, first it was like people would order the same thing. And I'm like, yo, after I make one one, uh, diaper bag, I ain't trying to make 20. Like I'm over (laughs) challenge, you know, challenge surpassed, move on to the next thing. So he says, well, why don't you teach people to do it? So then I did. And then it was like the same teaching again and again. So he says, okay, calm down. Let's videotape you doing the project. Throw it up on YouTube, this free video hosting platform. And when people ask you for that class, send them the link and tell them to leave you alone. You're good. You o- <laughs> I only ever had to film the project one time. It was archived in video format, you know? Okay. So I'm like, you're a genius. Let's do it. And then we did videos like that on YouTube, just here and there while my son was napping as a baby. And uh, then two years later, I came across a video ad on YouTube that YouTube and Google were looking for the next big thing. They were looking for 25 winners, of basically up and coming YouTube video creators that they could invest in, you know, that had like the potential to be the next big thing on YouTube. And, um, I put in for that. I literally, I was pregnant with my daughter, like six months pregnant. I had an 18 month old and I told my husband, take your kid for four days. He, uh, we ordered a new camera. We ordered a new laptop with new video editing software. And in those four days I filmed the video, like produced it, learned how to edit it on the software and submitted it. And I was chosen. I won 35 grand from YouTube and Google, you know, we got, um, uh, I got like a stipend, you know, to a photo and video store. They flew us to New York to learn the ins and outs, how to title your videos, how to write descriptions, how to build community, like all this stuff. And so when I won that, I was like, okay, maybe we got something here. My husband was like, yo, you can really like turn this into something, you know? And so I was featured in the New York times and on 2020 and, and stuff like that. And that's when I was like, okay, let's, let's ride with it. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I'm really proud of you. Thank and you. Looking at your class, your hyperlink, you have like 70 hyperlinks. I, sh- I know. Somebody, another, another teacher told me the other day, she's like, you're very prolific. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, I, yeah, I have like dozens, dozens of courses and online membership clubs. And I have, I mean, 600 video tutorials on YouTube. I don't know. I just, it's, <laughs> it's fun. I know you're going to probably charge me for the minute. But nah. I, a little, little tip on the consultation. What is what's a tip you'll give to someone who's trying to boost their YouTube channel up? Um, I would definitely say quality of content over quantity. 
because you get more real eyeballs. If people really vibe with what it is that you're making the video on, they're going to stick around until you get around to doing that next one. You know, a lot of people these days, they really plug consistency, consistency. I, I mean, yeah, it's great, but like, I can't really plug that because that wasn't my path. I don't, I'm too scatterbrained. I had too much going on with little kids, toddlers, homeschooling animals. I just could not be that consistent. I don't like monotony and schedule. <laughs> That's the creative in me. You know, like I just, I like a whole new challenge, whatever it is. So if I was doing something and it really sparked an interest of like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I need to do a video on this. Then I would do the video. So for me, yeah, I've grown slowly, organically over the years and I just, I haven't been as consistent as you should be, but that's, you know, I, I always like to say that because a lot of people think, well, if I can't be consistent, then I'm just not going to do it. Don't let that hold you back. Do what you can. And if the qu content quality is on point, you'll grow, you know, you'll find those subscribers because I remember early on I was posting videos and I never thought anybody was watching them. Then I started little by little getting emails from people all over the world. Oh my gosh, I've watched these tutorials. I've never been able to do this. And with your video, I did. Can you do a video on this, on that, on this and that. And when it really clicked for me was when I got an email from a lady in Germany and she said, English is not my first language. And she said, I found a tutorial in German but I was able to make the project from your tutorial, even though it was in English. That's how much better it was as far as the teaching quality was for her. And that to me was huge. I was like, can you imagine learning from somebody in a different language better than in your own native tongue? Damn. I was like, yo, we onto something. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. That's when I was like, okay, dang. What was the lesson learned from that about just the importance of good teaching? staying true to myself and not thinking so much about what I thought the viewer wanted to hear instead doing what I do and saying it in my own words, how I think and feel that the viewer will grasp the information. You know, great teachers all have their different teaching styles, right? Yeah. So if you stay true to yourself, it comes off like that. You know what I mean? And then in a YouTube video, imagine all you got to do is say, if you have any questions or I haven't covered anything, you know, leave me a question in the comments below and then you can reply back if they're still not getting it. Right. But I try to do everything step by step because I don't really want to deal with the customer service on the back end having to re-explain. And so I think part of that has to do with how much work I put into the explanation up front. I get tons of comments from people that are like, as I was watching your video, I had questions, and as soon as I had the question, you literally answered it in the next sentence. Oh, okay, cool. You know, because cool. I'm anticipating what the yeah. student is going to, so that's part of it too. And that's what yeah. teachers do. We got that lesson plan, we, we get the prep questions, we get into the student work, and then we think about the potential questions, and we, yes. we push it all in. I love it, I love it, Vanessa Vargas. Mom, <laughs> teacher, lawyer, business mom. You're everything. I'm just super, super proud of you. Thank what do you, you. from this uh, podcast? I want people to, to think about where they are and, and what they're doing as teachers to keep it true to themselves, right? There's so much information out there telling you do this, do that. You don't have to do all those things if you're staying true to yourself and you have a system that works, Love you it. know? Love it. And that's the simplicity, y'all. T-Simple Podcast. I got my sister Vivi dropping the jewels, dropping the gems. She can give you an apple. She can give you some milk. She also gives you a nice <laughs> pillow. And could give you some advice on the law. You're doing everything. True Renaissance lady. I really appreciate everything you do. Thank you for this opportunity. And peace out. Thank you, Calvin.
My name is Calvin Nellum. I'm a robotics teacher, I'm a student advocate, motivator, 